Welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. I am going to continue reading from the book Imagine Heaven by John Burke, forward by Don Piper. Near-death experiences, God's promises, and the exhilarating future that awaits you. First, I want to read a small paragraph. Substainer. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word hebrews 1 he was there in the beginning to speak light and he was here on earth to bring light every bit of his being has shown into every crack of our world demolishing darkness defeating death and redeeming our dirt his word brought understanding to those who were struggling to wrap their minds around an unscrutable God. His word brought hope to those who were at the end of their ropes. His word brought relief to those who were struggling with illness and poverty. His word was food to those who were hungry for meaning. His word was refreshment to those whose faith had dried up. His word was life to those who were dying in sin. What has his word done for you? Together, Lord Jesus, you are the sustainer of all things. You are the substance that our lives are founded on and grown in. Please, Lord, keep speaking to me. I need you. Amen. Think about that because today we are going to be talking about Hell's Welcoming Committee. Hell's Welcoming Committee. Howard Storm found not every welcoming committee is benevolent, though they may seem kind at first. There are as many entry points into heaven as there are individuals, he explains. God and the angels for the specific comfort and beginning edification of the person individually create each setting. Storm believes that a person who has rejected God's love cannot be welcomed into the journey to heaven. However, they are not alone after they die, but instead are welcomed by a group of like-minded spirits who wait for them and then guide them on a journey away from God's light and love. The degree of suffering and distress is unique to the individual, Storm contends. Hell is separation from God, he says. How it is experienced is proportionate to the life of the individual. God gives us free will. Neither he nor the angels will intervene. He will respect a person's choice to embark on an eternal journey without him. As I thought about it, some positive near-death experiences had the person not come back might have become negative as the person journeyed away from the light and love of God. Jesus taught there are different levels or decrees of hell depending on the kind of life a person lived. Luke, I do not think the fact that someone has a peek into heaven or a glimpse in hell is determinant of where they will end up. Some people seem to get an intentional tour of both, presumably for the purpose of both inspiring and warning others. Some Christians like Dr. Eby claim Jesus showed them a tour of both for this purpose. 
Harvard neurosurgeon Eben Alexander also realized he was given some kind of grand overview of the invisible spiritual side of existence. And like all good tours, it included all floors and all levels. He started in a place he calls the earthworm's view, which sounds more sophisticated than hell, but what he described is very similar to what others called the pit. Alexander describes it as darkness, but a visible darkness, like being submerged in mud, transparent, but in a bleary, blurry, claustrophobic, suffocating kind of way. I hear the sound of metal against metal, as if a giant subterranean blacksmith is pounding an anvil somewhere off in the distance. Grotesque animal faces bubbled out of the muck, groaned and screeched, and they were gone again. I heard an occasional dull roar. Sometimes these roars changed to dim rhythmic chants, chants that were both terrifying and weirdly familiar. My time in this realm stretched way, way out. Months, years, eternity. The faces that bubbled up out of the darkness became ugly and threatening. The rhythmic pounding off in the distance sharpened and intensified as well. Became the work beat for some army of troll-like underground laborers performing some endless, brutally monotonous task. The movement around me became less visible and more tactile as if a reptilian worm-like creature were crowding past, occasionally rubbing up against me with their smooth or spiky skins. Then I became aware of a smell, a little like feces, a little like blood, a little like vomit, a biological smell in other words, but of biological death. I edged ever closer to panic. God is love. Why would a loving God punish people for eternity for a limited number of earthly offenses? That's what makes no sense to people, but I don't believe that's what's happening. When we think we are temporal creatures being punished eternally for finite offenses, we are wrong. We are, in fact, eternal creatures like the angels, but unlike the angels, we are being given many, many finite temporal chances on earth to choose life instead of death eternally. Deuteronomy 30. Why would a loving God allow so much evil, pain, and suffering on this earth? Because it's a warning and a chance to choose him. There's something much, much worse when we choose to follow ourselves and reject him as God. Hell Is God giving free eternal creatures what they want? Freedom from him. All the sufferings and evils of earth are meant to warn us. God did not create hell for humans. He created hell for eternal angels who made an eternal choice to rule themselves. Hell is where they rule. Currently, the Holy Spirit keeps our evil in check on earth through our conscience and law. For now, our choices are temporal. They can change with time. When we die finally, our choices become eternal. Not that we have no choice in eternity, but all choices eternalized have eternal ramifications. And remember, 
near-death experiencers have not died finally during their experience, they can still choose and find rescue. But why can't God just bring everyone into heaven? Just change them. Hitler's heaven. What would God do with Hitler or anyone who really did not want to submit to God's rule? Force him? Take his free will? But then he'd be a slave, a prisoner of heaven, not a loving child. If left with free will, it would only be a matter of time until he chose eternally his will over God's, and he'd be cast out of heaven just like the angels. God knows all this, and this earth is perfectly suited to shape us into eternally free, loving children. All we have to do is choose to follow him now. But in God's presence, wouldn't everyone choose him? No. Nancy Bush reports about a Jewish woman who was given about as clear as a choice as possible. Describing her near-death experience, she said, I know that it all happened and yet logically I cannot account for the happening or possibly I just can't totally accept the reality of it. Because I am Jewish and I do not believe in Jesus Christ, I only believe in God. One snowy winter night, she was with her husband and children in the car when they had a bad head-on collision and she found herself out of her body viewing the accident from above. I was in a circle of light. I looked down upon the accident scene. I looked directly into the car that struck ours and I saw a young woman and I knew she was dead. I looked into my car. I saw myself trapped and unconscious. I saw several cars stop and a lady taking my children to her car. I heard my husband talk to me, and I saw me never moving and never answering. A hand touched mine, and I turned to see where this peace and serenity and blissful feeling was coming from, and there was Jesus Christ. I mean, the way he is made out to be in all the paintings with the white robe and beard And I never wanted to leave this man in the place. I never looked or thought back upon the accident scene or earth again until the final experience prodded me to do so. I was led around a well because I wanted to stay with Jesus and hold his hand. He led me from a side of bliss to a side of misery. I did not want to look, but he made me look. And I was disgusted and horrified and scared. It was so ugly. The people were blackened and sweaty and moaning in pain and chained to their spots. I had to walk through the area back to the well. He led me to it, but he made me go through it alone as he watched. And I knew that I would be one of these creatures if I stayed. Because of what I saw in the well, I knew that if I elected to stay because of the greatest, most serene feeling that I would only have misery because he didn't want me to stay. I leaned over the well and this young Jesus lookalike, maybe it was God himself or maybe the Christians aren't as peculiar as I think they are, put his hand on my back as I looked in. There were three children calling, Mommy, 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 we need you. Please come back to us. There were two boys and a girl. The two boys were much older than my two little ones. And I didn't have a little girl. And then all at once I was in the circle again, his hand still on my shoulder, and I saw the accident scene again. And I cried 
that I did not ever want to leave him. And I heard my babies cry and I saw the lady taking them to the car and I knew I had to leave and get back. She knew she had to go back and raise her children. Several years later, she had a little girl, the little girl she saw in the well. What's peculiar is that even seeing Jesus wasn't enough. Having seen, she still says, I am Jewish and I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Presumably, Jesus didn't want her to stay because she had rejected him. Maybe she was getting another chance. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. The dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. But whosoever rejects me rejects God who sent me, Luke 10. God does not want us to fear death or condemnation. He has made entrance to heaven so simple that anyone anywhere can call on his name and be saved. Set right with God, Romans 10. The only thing that can keep us out of heaven is our pride. What about those who have never heard of his name? Ultimately, we don't know. But we do know God looks at the heart. He's just, and scripture tells us it is by faith, not by our deeds, that a person is saved. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Read that scripture. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Acts 4.12. Yet many people who never knew the name of Jesus will be in heaven. Abraham, Moses, Rehab, and other according to Hebrews 11. The Old Testament faithful will be there because of Jesus' payment, yet they lived before his name was known. God somehow applied Jesus' payment still to come based on their faith and the light and knowledge they did have. Maybe he does the same for those who have never heard his name. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And God promises, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. He wants all to hear so they will not fear death or judgment, but know they have life with God now and forever. But if faith makes us right with God, then what about our good or bad deeds? Do they matter? Absolutely. It's time to explore the life review and rewards for a life well lived. The life review. Howard Storm had been rescued from the horrors of the outer darkness and now found himself with Jesus. Paused in space looking toward what he knew to be God's city. Jesus called in a melodic tone and seven lights shot across the vast distance from the city of light to join them. Howard recognized them as angels or saints, more brilliant and beautiful than he could imagine. Trumped only by Jesus himself, Jesus asked him if he wished to view his life. Unsure of what to expect, Howard agreed. Here's how he described the life review to me. There are these angels in a semicircle around us. I'm being held. I'm now facing them with Jesus, arms still around me, holding me, hanging in space outside of heaven. 
They gave me a life review. Jesus wanted them to play out in chronological order the scenes of my life. Mine was not, as some people describe, panoramic, instantaneous. Mine was chronological from when I was born up to the present, moment by moment, life by life. In detail, including knowing, experiencing the feelings of the people that I was interacting with. The entire emphasis was on my interaction with other people. Of course, initially starting out with my mother and father, my sisters, school, and friends. The review of my life was not what Howard expected. It seemed to be presented not from his own memory, but from the perspective of a third party. Together, he and the angels watched scenes from his life unfold, many of which he had forgotten. He was shown not only the events themselves, but also their effects on other people's lives and the thoughts and feelings of the people with whom he had interacted. Details Howard had not known about at the time the events had taken place. I learned in my life review regarding the relationship with my father that I had participated in the breakdown of that relationship as much as he did. He was not a good father to me and I resented it and I was angry at him. So I did everything I could subconsciously and sometimes consciously to be as rebellious and as cold hearted towards him as possible, which only aggravated him more and made him more of a hostile father. So the things that I had seen in my life where I was a victim and somebody else was the bad guy, I came to find out was a two way street. We were both playing this game. As a son to my mother and father, I had failed them. My father and I had no relationship and my poor mother, because of my dad and me not speaking to each other, we couldn't have much of a relationship. I hardly ever saw her. I had a very poor relationship with my sisters. I had not been a good husband to my wife. The whole emphasis was on people and not on things. As my life progressed, my adolescence into adulthood, I saw myself turning completely away from God, church, all that, and becoming a person who decided that life was all about being the biggest, baddest bear in the woods. As a matter of fact, there were some instances where I won promotions, honors, awards, and they skipped them. And I said to Jesus, You're skipping the most important thing in my life. This is what I lived for to get this award. Kentucky Artist of the Year, big banquet in my honor and a big cash prize and everything. And he said, that's not what we're here for you to see. That's not important. What I want you to see is how you treated the students. Howard could barely watch some of the scenes from his life as they were replayed by the angels. He was particularly distressed on how he had treated his children. When he neglected them to focus on his own career and accomplishments, rather than on their need to feel loved by them. And now I begin to experience Jesus and the angels, literal pain, emotional pain, with watching the sins of my life. I had not been the father to my kids that I should have been, and I knew I hadn't because I was busy. I was trying to be somebody 
their football games, their band concerts, their choral concerts, and the theater performances, they could all wait because I was busy being important. I was doing stuff making myself into somebody. The emotional abandonment of my children was devastating to review. Watching his life review, Howard understood how self-centered nature had dominated his entire life, causing him to put his own desires before the needs of people around him. At one point, Howard was so ashamed by how much his cruel and selfish behavior grieved Jesus and the heavenly beings, he begged them to stop the review. Yet he persisted in continuing to watch it for one reason. In spite of the fact that they were disappointed in the way he had lived his life, Jesus and the angels continued to communicate only unconditional love for him. No matter what we watched me do in my life, they communicated their deep love for me, even as they expressed their disapproval of things I did. To use vulgar words and only poor taste, To use the name of God in crude or empty ways is an insult to our creator. I was horrified at how it hurt my heavenly company when we witnessed me blaspheming God and Jesus Christ. Here is the nicest, kindest, most loving being I have ever met who I realized is my Lord, my Savior, even my creator, holding me and supporting me, trying to give me more understanding of my life. And Jesus is a very feeling man. God is a very feeling creator and they feel about us. The reason why he didn't love what I did was because it distracted from what, from who I was meant to be. Like when you see someone that not only is not living up to their potential, but actually denying their potential, I was made for one purpose and one purpose only. And that's what I was missing. The angel showed me that we do not earn our love of God by the things we do. God's love is given without cost or strings attached. We live lovingly because God loves us so much. Thank God There is a way to change our lives and forgive our mistakes. Jesus is God's redemptive act for a fallen world. If a person is not ruled by the love of God, he or she is ruled by hatred of God. The greatest hatred of God is to be indifferent to God. For Howard, everything became crystal clear after his near-death experience, and he is simply grateful that he has been given another chance to live his life, be forgiven for his mistakes, and love the God who so dearly loved him. The butterfly effect. The life review in the presence of God often has the most dramatic impact on the life of a person, according to near-death experience researchers. It clarifies what really matters to God as he shows them that every little action has relational reverberation person to person down through the generations. Some people experience their life flashing before them as they are dying. Like Ian McCormick, Gary experienced it right when his car crashed. I slipped out of my body. It was like slipping out of my clothing. I was above the car now. It was as if the top of the car had been removed. I could see my body. I could hear Sue crying. My life passed before my very eyes like a rerun. Everything 
In just an instance flashed before me. I had no fear and there was no sorrow or confusion. Most experience the life review in God's presence as he gently guides them to see what matters. The majority of life reviews start with the question from this being of light. They may phrase it different ways, but they all hear basically the same thing. What have you done with the life I gave you? It's not said in the judgment. It's not said in judgment, but in love to prompt reflection and learning. Imagine when your earthly life ends and you relive your whole life every moment. Imagine the day God shows you how your faithful, loving acts of service produced an unseen ripple effect of good in God's economy. Dr. Mary Neal felt Jesus' embrace as she relived her whole life while trapped underwater in her kayak. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad. One of the things we did was look at many, many, many events throughout my life that I would have otherwise called terrible or horrible or sad or bad or tragic. And instead of looking at an event in isolation or looking how it impacted me and my little world, I had the most remarkable experience of seeing the ripple effects of the event when seen 25, 30, 35 times removed and how it changed me and changed others such that again and again and again. I was shown that indeed it is true. Beauty comes of all things. It was really a life-changing experience. Through this experience, I was able to clearly see that every action, every decision, every human interaction impacts the bigger world in far more significant ways than we could ever be capable of appreciating. God records every thought, every act, every motive. He promises to reward those who love him and who have been faithful to him. Jesus reminds us to live for What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and he will reward each person according to what they've done. Matthew 16. The life review of near-death experiencers' experience seems to be a preview. It's not a judgment but it's an opportunity to live for what truly lasts. Don't wait for your life review to live for what matters. God bless you. Until next time.